Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. An unrepentant advocate for the truth people need to know. Stay informed with Vicki McKenna on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to the program. I am Vicki McKenna, News Talk 1130 WISN. So you've probably heard that um, uh, Foxconn is coming to Wisconsin. I think you've probably heard that since um, pretty much the entire um, news cycle is dominated by this and will be for a while. And I think for good reason, because it's a transformative project in our state. It is so large and the economic impact is so massive that it is quite literally transformative. Uh, so we're going to talk about that on the program today. Senator Ron Johnson is going to weigh in uh, on what it took to bring a company that could have gotten cheaper labor and and a lower in, lower regulatory entry burdens in another country. What did it take to bring a company like that <clears throat> to Wisconsin? I will say this, uh, given that you had Jared Kushner, who is Trump's son-in-law, and he is leading the White House Office of Innovation, working with Trump, Scott Walker, Ron Johnson, Paul Ryan, and Reince Priebus to secure this facility that's strongly suggestive that, at the very least, some of the rumors um, that are swirling around the swamp about Trump and Ryan being at loggerheads, or Trump and Priebus being at loggerheads, or Trump and Walker being at loggerheads, or Trump and Kushner being at, at loggerheads. There's probably a lot of hyperbole surrounding some of those stories, <clears throat> uh, because it would seem to me, um, if in fact you've got people who are constantly in strife and fighting with each other, number one, this project wouldn't have come to the United States in the first place, and number two, it's highly likely that it wouldn't have located in Wisconsin. So we'll talk about that on the show. Um, another potential workaround solution for the president on the Russian counterintelligence investigation has been offered up uh, by none other than former federal prosecutor Andrew McCarthy. We'll go over some of that and uh, a Fox 6 investigation showing that a whole bunch of violent criminals... Number one, are on probation, and number two, are regularly violating their probation with serious offenses, and nothing is happening to them, leading, in addition to all of the other problems in Milwaukee, but leading to an even greater threat to citizens of Milwaukee and very few leaders inside the city interested in doing anything to solve that problem. So hopefully we'll be able to get to all of those uh, issues on the program today. Scott, do I still have uh, state fair passes to give away? Awesome. So I also still have a four-pack of state fair passes to give away. Let's just go over some of sort of the highlights of the Foxconn deal. Uh, number one, it's massive. The entire campus is 1.6 square miles, at least according to the information that we've been given. 1.6 square miles for the campus. A 20 million square foot facility. Now that's probably 
all told, all of the different facilities, 20 million square feet. That's crazy. Um, it's probably not going to be one building, but that's an awful lot of floor space. So a 20 million square foot facility, 1.6 square mile campus, um, up to 13,000 workers. It looks like a minimum of 3,000 and up to 13,000 workers directly employed by Foxconn. 10,000 construction workers, in addition to the up to 13,000, would be employed uh, on a temporary basis in order to build the facility. So construction workers are going to need to be imported into the state of Wisconsin. We might have to import in workers to to work at the facility and an estimated additional 22,000 jobs needed for the support structure, the product support structure for this company. Um, I was reading the the, uh, almost uh, comically inane piece by um, the Associated Press on Foxconn saying, well, this might help Governor Walker uh, finally meet his campaign promise of 250,000 jobs. Um, Scott Walker has well exceeded a promise of creating jobs in excess of available bodies to fill those jobs. In fact, so much so that we are in excess of jobs available, but not bodies to fill them. This is going to create another group of jobs that are going to need to be filled on top of those other jobs, which necessarily means Wisconsin has to start making the climate in the state, legislatively, the tax climate, the cost of living climate in the state, as aggressive and competitive as possible in order to attract tens of thousands of people to the state of Wisconsin who are going to be needed to support a project of this magnitude. The estimate is it's in excess of $7 billion in economic impact, in excess of $7 billion dollars in economic impact and that is generated beyond what tax incentives are going to be offered for this project something else important about the tax incentives is that we have been told and we'll see the details more um, acutely when the legislature gets its package but we have been told that all of the tax incentives luring this company into the state of wisconsin are performance-based tax incentives you don't produce x you don't get tax incentive x so that the tax incentives have been structured in such a way as to as best the state can protect wisconsin in the event that foxconn doesn't deliver on its promises smart um it's driving the liberals crazy already They want to find a reason to be critical. There is an MATC economics professor um, published in the Capital Times today, Madison's progressive newspaper, complaining about performance-based tax incentives. We better get performance-based tax incentives. But we got them. This plant better pay a, a minimum $15 an hour minimum wage. Oh, well, well in excess of that. In fact, double. $15 an hour because the starting wage is just north of $28 an hour plus benefits. So you're talking about out of the box. This is the wage at the the plant. Out of the box, $28 plus and change per hour wages plus benefits plus $7 billion plus in economic development above and beyond whatever tax credits would be offered, performance-based tax credits, and and a facility that could quite 
honestly set up Wisconsin's budget for the next 20 years. I got to take a quick break. Ron Johnson's going to join me momentarily. Stick around for that. Foxconn. They're calling it Wiscon, by the way. Wiscon, not Foxconn. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program. So if Bloomberg is correct and everybody else is correct in how this deal came together, um, it was it was the White House Office of Innovation. It was the president himself. It was Speaker Paul Ryan and Senator Ron Johnson and Governor Scott Walker and Chief of Staff Ryan Priebus. It was everybody um, working to try to, number one, bring Foxconn to the United States, and number two, try to make sure that it was located in Wisconsin. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson is on the phone with me. We've got a couple of things to talk with the senator about. But, um, you know, it, it's it's strongly suggestive, Senator, that um, whatever dysfunctions might be might exist inside the swamp, um, at least when it comes to economic development, when it comes to regulation, when it comes to understanding the importance of a transformative project like this, a whole bunch of people finally get it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's amazing, Vicki, when you make uh, your state or your country an attractive place for business investment, business expansion, job creation, what happens? When you you actually are welcoming to private capital and to uh, free market capitalists, they respond and they actually invest in your country and your state and your your city. So, uh, you know, listen, the the main credit has got to go to uh, President Trump and Ryan Priebus and Paul Ryan and Governor Walker and his team, his development team, uh, you know, members of the delegation, we certainly mess, met with uh, Fox County. You know, for my part, I just talked about what great workers Wisconsinites are. Uh, you know, how we're really steeped in, in manufacturing. But this was, you know, the governor's team did a fabulous job. Uh, but it, it literally was, as I hear the story, I wasn't right, to, you know, I was there at the snap-on tool, but it really was President Trump taking a look and going, look at all this land. You know, Ryan's saying, yeah, this would be a great place for development. And, you know, people knew each other. And, this, and you know, then you've got... Uh, you know, the Treasury Secretary and, and the Commerce Secretary and, you know, again, people in the administration that also had business ties, connections, and it is amazing how quickly this came together. I, I haven't done the timeline from President Trump's visit to Snap-on Tools down there in Kenosha to the signing of the... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Deal, but that is an amazing timeline. That is a huge achievement. But really, it really is. It's President Trump. It's uh, Governor Walker, his team. Uh, Ryan's Priebus, uh, Paul Ryan, and those are those are the guys that get the, the lion's share of the credit here. So how much of this, this had to do with the massive regulatory rollback we have seen? Because, you know, one of the sort of unsung successes of the Trump administration for all some of the problems that you keep hearing about is that 800 economic, serious economic regulations um, from the Obama administration have been rolled back. 400 of them 
are considered to be substantial economic regulations. How much did the de- sort of deregulation mindset, because we haven't gotten tax reform yet, um, how much did that play into this? And furthermore, um, what, you know, what could have had a company like Foxconn, which is used to a very low regulatory burden, but also very low labor costs, pick the United States where they were going to have to you know, substantially increase their cost of labor? Well, first of all, what makes America so attractive to any business is we are the world's largest customer. And manufacturers, trust me, want to be close to their customers. And, you know, I've been arguing ever since President Trump got elected, and you've seen optimism increase in the private sector. The Trump bump to me is distributed to the fact that at least businesses realize for at least four years there's going to be a pause. They're not going to be looking over their shoulder going, okay, now what new regulation is going to put me out of business next week or then you have to hire three compliance officers for. So it's just that attitudinal change. I talked about that before the election. Just change the attitude. Make an, an, an attitude, a welcoming attitude, is part of the attractive, uh, attractiveness to any uh, location that uh, is trying to foster economic growth. So, again, the attitude change, the, the Certainly the commitment of this administration to reduce the regulatory burden, halt it, uh, it, it I think it was a huge factor. It had to be. So you, you, the, the idea is that Foxconn is probably trying to figure out a way to get into the United States and make it, you know, make it um, cost effective, uh, make it fast, because this is a project that's going to be supposedly, um, you know, underway in the next couple of years um, and, you know, potentially producing economic revenue in just a handful, maybe even two years to the state of Wisconsin. Um, so you, they had to be looking at this. Um, and so this was the right time. I remember arguing with President Trump, you're not going to bring a company to the United States to make iPhones in the United States. That'll never happen. I had that conversation with him, uh, and, and it shows you how wrong I was. But they're, they're not only are they coming here, but they're going to actually be paying uh, in an average of $53,000 a year for people who work at the plant. I mean, that, that's almost it's almost something you would have never nobody would have predicted. And yet there's that business community. There's that, you know, the, the people who make things and the people who employ people um, saw this so much earlier than the rest of us did, that this could potentially be, at least in terms of economics, a transformative presidency. You know, that's a whole lot more than anybody's minimum wage proposal, isn't it? Isn't it, though? Um, you know, and that, that's, again, what I've always said, too, is the, the way you increase wages on a sustainable basis is make your city, your state, your nation an attractive place for business investment, have robust economic growth where you've got businesses competing for labor. Now, let's face it, Con- Foxconn is going to be competing for the workers in Wisconsin. So if you're a current manufacturing plant, uh, that's what causes wages to increase. I mean, we're experiencing in my business in Oshkosh. Is Oshkosh Corporation is doing a great job providing vehicles that save the finest among us lives. You know, there's a great demand on labor. That's how you actually increase wages and benefits. And you reduce that regulatory burden. You know, that costs businesses real money. It's money that they can't use to increase wages and benefits. So it's amazing what economic growth can produce for people's lives. You know, maybe sounds like kind of an abstract concept. But economic growth is what drives our economy, produces opportunity, puts more money in your pocket. What do you do to fill those jobs? I know that um, that's a challenge. You know, I've talked about this challenge in Wisconsin, particularly with Wisconsin manufacturers. Lots of them have jobs um, available, and they're having a a difficult time actually finding people to fill those jobs. So what now, and and just sort of look at Wisconsin as a model, what does Wisconsin do to create 
um, enough of a workforce to start supplying, to start, you know, bringing back more of these companies, like, you know, bringing back companies that have that have gone elsewhere because of labor costs or regulatory mm-hmm. burdens and attracting new uh, economic investment in the United States. What do you do now to get people interested in taking these jobs? Because we have that we do have that problem. The, the good news is this is a massive investment and they're not going to be looking for the, the you know, 13,000 labors for, for a few years. And so what we can start doing right now is in our high schools, in our junior high schools, making sure that uh, our children realize there are all kinds of options in terms of leading your life. You know, four years college, great. Two years, technical college. Or just going around the workforce into great manufacturing jobs in companies like Foxconn or Harley-Davidson. Or, I, I don't want to start naming jobs. We've got so many fabulous companies in Wisconsin, so many great manufacturers that pay good wages will actually pay for your education, Vicki. Now, that, that's not a story that's told very often. So, you know, get some technical education. Uh, you know, make sure that your high schools set up industrial arts and, and those types of programs. You know, consider going to technical college where it's a whole lot cheaper and you don't get yourself into $30,000 in debt. So it starts in the home. It starts in our comprehensive counseling model through our, our high schools, making sure that we don't denigrate the trades, that we make sure our kids realize there are all kinds of options for good paying jobs and good careers and work even in manufacturing. You don't have to be, you know, listen, if you want a four-year degree, if you want to be a professional, if you want to sit behind a desk and push paper, great. But if you want to have an exciting job in manufacturing where where you're working with your hands and producing products that uh, we all value, that you can be proud of, that's a great way to, uh, you know, build a career as well. You know, it's clean manufacturing. It's now, by and large, what we have in the United States. It's it's, it's not it's not a dirty job. It's uh it's it. I mean, this has changed over the last twenty five years. Um, where these sort of you call it skilled manufacturing, but it's you know, I mean, it's got. We haven't been letting people know that the that the that the stereotype is failing, and that the actual potential for a family-sustaining income, the ability to have no debt uh, when it comes to your education, the ability to right out of the box, you know, pay a mortgage, pay your rent, buy a car, start saving for your kid's college education, whatever it might be, that's something that the that the skilled manufacturing sector of American jobs has been has been you know trying to trying to let people know it's been doing for a while. So that's something else I think, and I think this necessarily has to change the way schools look at how they are directing students in terms of career advice. And and you know we shouldn't just simply say everybody ought to want to attend a four year college. Lots of people ought to want to to go to a Foxconn or a Harry Bow or a Harley Davidson and uh and and not have to shoulder a lot of debt and be able to actually start producing. Yeah, Vicky, you know, careers in manufacturing, those aren't your grandfather's foundry jobs anymore. The, 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 you know, I haven't been to a Foxconn operation. My guess this is ultra clean. I'm I'm sure they've got areas they're planting. I'm sure it is. Room. I mean, that is unbelievably clean. You know, some, sometimes cleaner than an operating theater. So, no, that, that is common in manufacturing today. But let's face it, for decades we've been pounding into our kids' head, you've got to get a four-year degree. And, of course, what does that imply? That implies if you don't have one, you're, you're, you're kind of second-class status. Nothing could be further from the truth. So the good news is it doesn't take a federal government program. It doesn't even need a state government program. It just takes parents to get into high schools, uh, businesses to – open their, their doors open for tours so that 
Parents and their students realize there are all kinds of great jobs in your community, in manufacturing. Not one, not one Wisconsin manufacturer that I visited can hire enough people, and they pay a whole lot better wages than minimum wage. Trust me, and a lot of them will pay for your, your education as well. So we've just got to make sure our kids and their parents understand all the options they have well, coming and, out of high school. And think as well, I mean, you know, and I know this isn't directly related to the Joseph Project, your endeavor in trying to connect people with manufacturing jobs and connect manufacturers with, you know, people to hire. But this is something that potentially can undo some of the damages of bad government policy over the last 50 years in in terms of producing generational dependency. Um, This potentially tees up another type of of project like the Joseph Project to connect uh, maybe some at-risk people with high-paying manufacturing jobs. This is $28 an hour we're talking about here. That's, you know, that's, 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 you know, that's not that hard to come by. All you need is an education system that recognizes it has to train people in a certain a certain skill set, and, and, and the companies will do the rest in terms of the technical training. And, and Vicki, of course, that's you know, three to 13,000 jobs just at Foxconn. Think of all the other businesses that will be supplying Foxconn in the area. I mean, you, you've probably heard the, the economic impact, but you know, what, one number that's kind of eye-popping, about $7 billion annual economic impact from this, this massive investment. And by the way, I I, I hate to say this because I haven't put a fact check this one myself, but I've been told this is the single largest foreign investment in a green field, in other words, built from, from the ground up uh, project in U.S. history. I mean, this, this is a massive, massive success for Governor Walker and President Trump. It's a mic drop. It's a mic drop moment for it's transformative for the state of Wisconsin, for um, for the United States as well. Um, all right. Now I have to ask you that we have to talk about the. Uh, fail- Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Failure to repeal Obamacare, Senator. Um, what's going on? Well, it's feeling I, so good, Vicki. I was too, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Well... So, you know, we're, we're going to go into this, this uh, voterama today, and, you know, a bunch of amendments, most of them will probably fail. And it was, it was interesting. Steve Daines, you know, Senator Daines from Montana had a great amendment. He put, I believe it was John Conyers' single-payer bill on the floor of the Senate to be voted on. Of course, every Republican voted no. A number of Democrats voted no as well. Most Democrats had showed just enormous political courage and voted present. So that's how popular Bernie Sanders or John Conyers' single-payer health care system would be in the United States Senate today. Not one Democrat, not even Bernie Sanders, would vote yes on a single-payer system. So, I mean, that's what they're going to be campaigning on. Um, We have got to keep this process going. Um, 
So hopefully we can get to a, a Senate House conference and we've got more information and we can do a whole lot better job working together with the House than we did as, as separate chambers. Uh, I've, I've got to hold out that hope, Vicki, as, as we talked about last week. I'm not giving up, never will give up. All right, so this pro- the, this isn't slam the door on the process where everybody's just going to be sent home. This is, you know, all right, we'll try something else. I mean, I, I was kind of hoping that skinny repeal would be great because then it goes to conference committee and you build it back up. But that just seemed to, to, to go absolutely nowhere. I thought it would actually have more popularity than it did. I mean, as the, as the Democrats voted against single payer, even though they were campaigning on it, seven Republicans voted against repealing Obamacare, even though they campaigned on it. So I'm not exactly sure that, um, that, that some of the Republicans' noses are clean here. Yeah, well, um, they aren't. Uh, there's a fair amount of hypocrisy in politics, as you well know. Um, so one of the reasons the amendment I hope to get a vote on is uh, going to put members of Congress in the exact same position as people like Sherry and Vern Colby, who I, I first talked to Sherry just two nights ago. Uh, they signed up for Obamacare in 2014, paid all their premiums, sent in their check stubs to make sure that they still qualified for their subsidies. But when they did their taxes in March 2015, their advisor said, you owe $15,000 in subsidies back. Vicki, they had to sell their house to pay off the IRS debt uh, so they wouldn't lose it. Uh, he, he, he worked 60 to 70 hours a week driving a milk truck. She works full-time as a florist. These are the forgotten men and women that are being largely ignored in this process. They're the ones that Bill Clinton talked about busting it, working 60 hours a week, which is an understatement in the case of Vern. Uh, their premiums have doubled or more, and their coverage is cut in half. That's, that's why I'm going to offer an amendment to make sure that members of Congress are in that same exact situation, buying their policies on the Obamacare exchanges yeah. without employer contribution. Uh, now, I, I want everyone to watch the roll call on that vote. You watch how many people are going to say, absolutely not, Senator. Um, but I like that proposal. I hope, I hope some of these, um, some of this will bring some attention to, to the hypocrisy, as you call it, in Washington, D.C. That's a nice way of saying, um, a bunch of people lied. Uh, but Rasmussen Reports just, uh, put out a, a, you know, the stat of the day. 15 million people, if they could get out of the Obamacare exchanges, if they could, would. Uh, and so um, that plus the fact that nobody actually, you know, truly believes that single payer will work in the United States and a whole bunch of people uh, like Sherry and Vern, your friends, are suffering because of this. Um, I, I certainly hope that this gives some members of the United States Senate some courage. Well, ho- hopefully they put themselves in the same position. Hopefully this amendment passes and we put pressure on this body to no longer ignore people like Sherry and Vern. Um, I'm not optimistic about uh, about today and the Voterama, Senator, but very optimistic about Foxconn in Wisconsin, and I appreciate you being on the program today. Have a great day. You too. We'll be right back. That was Senator Ron Johnson. I'll be, I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the program. You know, think about those $53,000 a year jobs. By the way, the average Wisconsin manufacturing job pays between fifty and sixty thousand dollars a year. Think about that. The average skilled manufacturing job pays between fifty and sixty thousand dollars a year in the state of Wisconsin, and then benefits on top of that. Um, two people in a in a household working manufacturing jobs in Wisconsin have an upper middle income bottom line and no student debt. 
to have to deal with. Now, contrast that to what the current K-12 school system in our state and all across the country tells young people. Go to college. You have to go to college to get a job. No, you don't. You actually can go to a skilled manufacturing job. You can either do that with a little bit of technical training, or you can go straight out of college and have the training done for you by the company. No debt versus lots of debt. Almost $60,000 right out of the box. Imagine that. Almost $60,000 right out of the box. I think my first radio job paid me $9,000 a year. Now, admittedly, this was some years ago, but still $9,000 a year. Let's assume that I could double that, and I'm still barely scraping by um, it, 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 my, my entry-level radio job versus an entry-level manufacturing job that could get you you know, fifty dollars to $60,000 a year. I was listening to some of the, um, the success stories on Ron Johnson's last podcast about the Joseph Project. The Joseph Project is this project in Milwaukee where um, pastors will go and recruit people at their church churches who are at would normally be considered maybe at risk or needed some assistance. Maybe they had a criminal conviction in their past. Maybe they had a spotty work record. They only worked temp jobs or they only worked part-time jobs. Identify people who are highly motivated to learn new skills, place them in skilled manufacturing capacities. And listen to these folks on on Johnson's last podcast, uh, successful candidates through the Joseph Project training. One gal said, I just got a raise to $24 an hour. $24 an hour, it's about $50,000 a year. And pre- previously, she was making, you know, $750, 8 bucks an hour in temp work or in part-time work and then supplementing herself with government assistance. And now she's making enough to buy a car, to pay her rent, to help her kids. So you've got the ability to... um truly sort of alter the lives of people if, in fact, we decide to start promoting skilled trades in our state, skilled manufacturing in our state. We are one of the the, the most aggressive states in America for manufacturing. It's one of our biggest economic contributors to the bottom line of the state of Wisconsin's economy. And yet we have all of these employers who have a hard time filling these jobs. The jobs are going to be filled at some point, folks. It depends on whether or not people want to fill those jobs with Americans or fill those jobs with people who are here in the United States on visas. It's that simple. What does Wisconsin's K-12 education actually want to produce in terms of of likely success for students in the K-12 public school system? Do you want to produce a whole bunch of people who go to college, take out loans, quit college, can't pay their loans, and get base-level minimum wage jobs? Or do you want to produce a bunch of people who say, college isn't for me, and I don't want to take on thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in debt. I want to start my life at a reasonably high level and I want to build my career from there. Wisconsin K twelve system is gonna and Wisconsin's legislature is gonna have to get on top of this, but it has to decide what it wants to do in terms of of, of training and education for success in our state. Again, if Foxconn's got 13,000 jobs to fill, and we don't have 13,000 people to fill those jobs, again, $53,000 a year jobs, do you think Foxconn's not going to fill the jobs? They'll fill the jobs. They will apply for worker visas. They'll fill the jobs any way they can fill the jobs. Same thing with the west, rest of Wisconsin manufacturing. Will they leave those jobs unfilled? Not if they, not if they don't have to. They'll apply for people's 
who, who are here on worker visas to fill those jobs. So decide, does Wisconsin's education want to produce Wisconsin citizens who will go and get those jobs? Or does Wisconsin's education system want to produce citizens who are not interested in those jobs and those manufacturing facilities have to go and recruit from outside the United States? What do your, what, what does the average schmo think is a better alternative? Filling those jobs with American citizens or filling those jobs with visa holders? Filling those jobs with people who are not going to have to be worrying about being dependent or filling those jobs uh, with folks who are here on, you know, in, in a temporary capacity on a worker visa who may or may not overstay those visas. What do you want, Wisconsin? What does America want? What does the school system want? We're going to have to decide here pretty soon because if Trump's effect is going to produce more opportunities like this for more states or maybe even more opportunities for Wisconsin, we are going to actually have to have a ready-to-go workforce to fill those jobs. That means that we're going to have to work on taking the kids in the Milwaukee public school system who can barely breathe in and out because the school system is so bad that they haven't even been taught to read and write effectively. Find a way to get those kids in a position where they can learn some skills and be hooked up with those jobs. We're going to have to redesign the K-12 system to revalue the industrial arts and other types of skilled trades education to make sure that we have enough people who are ready to fill available positions. We are in a, we are in a crisis of abundance in terms of jobs in Wisconsin. It's a better crisis to be in than a crisis of scarcity. But at some point... At some point, the Wisconsin education system is either going to have to agree to change or be forced to change to meet the changing demands of a labor force. Because, again, the only other alternative will be to simply say, all right, well, we're going to increase the number of of visas that we're going to offer people from outside the United States to come in and fill these jobs. Because we need bodies at these manufacturing facilities. Interesting, hmm? You might actually be creating the conditions through the K-12 school system as it exists right now, for manufacturing and other large facilities to actually need foreign workers to fill positions. Maybe that's the point. I don't know. We'll be right back. You know, if you sort of think about some of the amazing things that none of us pause and take stock of that have happened... Since President Trump took office, it's it's quite a list. 800 Obama-era economic regulations rolled back. 400 of them were substantial economic regulations that have paved the way for a, a, a positive outlook in the business community of America to the point where now we have an abundance of employment opportunities. It was not that long ago where we had a scarcity of employment opportunities and nobody wanting to expand. So you, you, you have things like this Foxconn project, which should be dominating all of the national news. It isn't, but it should be because it's so massive. It's it's such an incredible investment, not just in Wisconsin. We're going to get the lion's share of the benefit here. But in the United States, and it telegraphs to other companies, it's okay to start wanting to cite, you know, to, to cite in developments here. Haribo is another one in Wisconsin. The very first U.S. operation is in the state of Wisconsin 
But they didn't have to choose the United States in the first place. They could have chosen Canada. They could have chosen Mexico. They chose the United States. And then we made it even more attractive in the state of Wisconsin. Now you think about some of the amazing things the good things that have happened, and yet nobody is focusing on the good things. Right now, Donald Trump's approval rating stands at 40%. And that's the Rasmussen approval rating, which includes the people who are, are counted as you know, nominally being in approval of President Trump because they're, they're still uh, not willing to consider that there would have been a better alternative to, to Donald Trump as president. So they take the people who say... No, I'm still glad Hillary Clinton didn't get, didn't get elected. But say they disapprove of Donald Trump, and they count them as nominally in approval of Donald Trump. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the Rasmussen approval rating. It's why it's a little bit higher than some of the other ones. But he's at 40%. He should be at well in excess of 46, 48 to 50%, even with the obsession of Russia, Russia, Russia. It's now, I think, at a point where... And, and, you know, I know I'm going to get hell from the Trumpkins, but it's at the point where the president's in his, in his own way. The stuff on Sessions, which has been dominating news for the last five days, has to, has to stop. Jeff Sessions isn't your enemy. Rod Rosenstein taking over for Jeff Sessions isn't some kind of net benefit to the Justice Department or to America or to Donald Trump. So it's almost to the point now where the guy is just, it's, it's kind of obvious he's just in his own way. Here he has this massive announcement. It's going to take place at 5 o'clock today. You see this huge uh, you know, fanfare for the Foxconn uh, project. And yet what's going to dominate news tonight? And it's going to be the latest thing that Scaramucci said about leakers in the administration and telegraphing more of the frustration from Trump at Jeff Sessions. Andrew McCarthy has got an outstanding piece of advice for the president today uh, at NationalReview.com, former federal prosecutor Andrew McCarthy, who said, look, all Trump has to do is tell Jeff Sessions to abide by the regulation on recusal. And all Trump has to do is tell Ron Rosenstein to abide by the regulation on counterintelligence investigations and and the parameters of special counsel. That's all he has to do. If you don't want to be in a position where you're going to fire Robert Mueller because Trump has gone about it the exact wrong way and trying to figure out a way to fire Robert Mueller, just simply tell Sessions he's going to have to abide by the letter of the regulation on recusal, in which case Jeff Sessions only recuses himself from the investigation into Mike Flynn. The rest of the counterintelligence investigation is overseen by Jeff Sessions. And Ron Rosenstein tells the special counsel, the special counsel has to abide by the regulation on special counsels. Special counsels can only be appointed to investigate potential crimes. You have to be able to identify a potential crime, and then you, and then you investigate that, that specific and potential crime. A special counsel for a counterintelligence investigation is actually in violation of regulations on special counsels. Trump simply issues an order to Jeff Sessions that says, you are in violation of this regulation. You need to get into compliance with this regulation now, which means you may recuse yourself from the investigation into Mike Flynn, but you may not recuse yourself into the Russian counterintelligence investigation. And Rosenstein says, or he tells Rosenstein, you must abide by this regulation. And therefore, there must be parameters set on Mueller's investigation 
because it can only be about a potential crime that has been committed. Therefore, the special counsel will only be investigating Flynn. The rest of the Russia counterintelligence investigation is going to continue as it always had in the past. It will be overseen by the Attorney General, Jeff Sessions. And be done with it. And be done with it. And now start focusing America's attention on the very positive things that at least the administration has done. And then focus America's attention on the lack of effort that is being put forth right now by Congress to not do the things they pledge to do. And I think, and and McCarthy makes the argument, I think he's right. If Trump does this and gets out of his own way, just gets out of his own way, his approval ratings will start not even to inch back up. They will start to actually dramatically increase simply because the media is not being given a deliberate distraction from the necessary positives. I mean, they're necessarily positive. Without Trump, we wouldn't have gotten Foxconn. Without Trump, we wouldn't have had 800 uh, economic regulations rolled back. Without Trump, 400 of them wouldn't have been significant uh, economic regulations. Without Trump, we wouldn't have had the appointment of Scott Pruitt, people like Rick Perry as energy secretary, people like Jeff Sessions as attorney general in the first place, who was willing to go in and clean out the mess left behind by the social justice hires of the Obama administration. Without him, we'd still be in the Paris Accords. Without him, we would still we would probably have uh, Merrick Garland as a Supreme Court justice or somebody even worse than that. Without him, we would not right now, as we speak, be seeing appointments to the federal courts that are actually net conservative appointments to the federal courts. So necessarily. Trump has produced positives because it's just how he is. So we're allowing the media to ignore Positive changes in the United States that were necessarily going to happen because of Trump. That wouldn't have necessarily happened if John Kasich were president or Ted Cruz even were president or anybody else were president. And certainly not if Hillary Clinton were president. These things are only happening because of this guy in the White House. But he's in his own way. The Jeff Sessions stuff is nothing more than pure circus distraction for the press. And as they pile on, and as much as some of the people, the enthusiastic Trump train folks, you know, believe that this is some kind of great thing to see him, you know, get the press spinning its wheels and eating its own and all. When your approval ratings need a special weighting to just get you to 40 percent, that doesn't mean you're winning. Anyway, I got to do a giveaway right here. Four pack of State Fair passes for you guys. If you would like those State Fair passes and the bargain book, four of them, four State Fair, Fair passes. Get on my phones right now. 799-1130-800-8389-476. In the last 30 seconds, I will say caller number 27 will win that package. I'll tell you who the winner is on tomorrow's show. Have a good one. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.